Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Can I share with you one of my favorite stories? Um, I heard this some time ago, and it's one of my favorite depictions of um, purpose. There's a little boy who built a sailboat, and he built the sail and had it all fixed up, painted it. And he, he took it to the lake one day, and he made sure it was... It was working properly. He wanted to make sure it floated properly, and he took it to the lake, and he was crossing his fingers, hoping it would sail. So there he sat by the lake, and he took this little boat, and he started to just let it float slowly. He gave it a couple chances, and then at one point, he just let it sail to see if it would, by itself, do what it was created to do, and that's sail like the little boat it is. And in one of, the, one of the shows he had with his little sail, a wind came through and pushed that, that boat. And he saw it sail, and he was like, yes, it finally is sailing. But it kind of got away from him a lot faster than he thought. So he kind of got into the water and tried to reach out for it. And as he tried to race to it, he couldn't quite get to it as quick as possible. And then as he began to look, quicker and quicker, it went downstream. And little did he know that moments later, it would be too far beyond his reach, and it sailed on its way away. And he he looked at it kind of like, I don't know what just happened, but I just lost my sailboat. I, I worked on that so much. Well, sometime later, this little boy was walking in, in, in his town, and he looked up at uh, this secondhand thrift store, and on the window was a boat that looked a lot like his, and he kind of took a second look at it as he looked closely at it and he realized it was his boat. He looked at the markings and he remembered where he had made a little error. He had, you know, kind of, he, he kind of was carved, since it was carved by his very own hand, he knew exactly where there was uh, imperfections in that boat. And the paint job that he did was exactly, it was his boat. He knew it. And he got so excited. He got, went inside to the thrift store and ran to the window and saw it. And he picked it up and he said, oh, there you are. And he walked over and he says, sir, this is my boat. And the, the, the man that owned the thrift store said, uh, not really, it's my boat. It's in my store. Somebody came in and I bought it from them. And so if you want it, you can buy it. But he said, but I made this. And he's like, I'm sorry, son, it's my boat, somebody. If you want to buy it, you can. And the kid didn't have any money. And he thought to himself, I must get my boat back. So he went home, worked, got all the money he needed, went back to the thrift store. There it was, still there. (gasps) Went to the, the owner of the store and said, I'd like to buy my boat back. The owner walked over to the window, grabbed the boat, put it on the counter. The, the little boy gave him, um, the little boy gave him the money. And then, as he stood there, he picked it up and he walked out of the store with a big smile on his face. And when he got out the store, the little boy said something very special. The little boy said this: "Today, you're twice my boat. First, because I made you, and second, because I bought you." 
If you ever think that you're not worth much, if you ever think for even a moment that you, you're cheap and you're just a knockoff of what God's created some other place, and you're just like, you're not special. I need you to know something. God carved you with his own hand, and when it's all said and done, he didn't just make you. He bought you with a price. And that price was the price of his son. So twice you are his. Twice you have been redeemed. First, because he made you. Second, because he bought you. And he paid a price to redeem you. Let go of your stress today of worrying about whether you're good enough. He made you good enough. I need you to say this loud enough so you can hear it. Say, I am good enough. Now, don't forget the second part. Ready? Because he said so. I need you to understand something. Last week as we, um, I spoke about the heart of the harvest. If you've not listened to that message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Because I started to talk a little bit about the joy that happens when we get the heart of the harvest, of the people that God is calling us to reach. This morning, I want to bring a, a different angle to that harvest, and I want to talk to you about the power of the harvest. Say this with me, the power of the harvest. Now, what does it mean to have the heart of the harvest? Go back to last week's message, listen to that. But the, the crux of it is this. There's a heart that is needed to be able to love people where they are. God has it. We don't always have it. Fair? Is that a fair assessment? That oftentimes God's heart for his people are a lot more sensitive than our heart for his people. We're, we tend to look at things through a lens of let's see if they're worthy, but we guard that with a, a, an ironclad like wall because we, we, we often judge ourselves by our intentions and other people by their actions. I meant well, so don't treat me like that. But they did well. And so what God is trying to say is none of us are worthy. We all should be able to have the heart of God because we realize that none of us are worthy. Right? None of us. So that's the heart of the harvest. We tend to love people where they are when we start to realize we're just like them. Just in a different way. Whatever struggle they have, it may not look the same to us, but we still have struggles. Whatever sin they have, it may not look just like ours, but we have sins. And we have imperfections. But like that little boat, twice you are his. First, because he made you. And he knows every fault, every piece that is carved in, that was imperfect, but twice because he bought you. And so, if you would allow me to talk about the power of the harvest, and if you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we embrace God's power. How many of you 
really want to see God's power in your life. Raise your hand if you mean it. Come on. If you really want to see God's power in your life. If you don't, that's fine. Keep your hand down. But if you're like me, I want to see God's power in my life. I want to see him interact with man. I want to see him work in me. And so that power is very important. But the problem is not does God have enough power to go, to go around, right? You ever walked into a room and you had like, you had like a really great dessert and you looked at the number of people in that room, you're like, they're not going to all be able to have a piece of this. How many ever walked into a room with dessert? You were invited to a, a picnic and you brought a dessert and there's like eight slices and there's like 162 people. And you're like, well, I'm not the only one bringing dessert. I'll tell you what, eight people will be happy. That's amazing. <laughs> There's nothing that you have that can buy your way to heaven. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. But you can contribute as a part of the overall focus. And so the overall focus is God is saying, listen, I've redeemed you because you're a part of the plan. Come on, tell yourself, I'm a part of the plan. You excited about being part of the plan? Who's excited about being part of the plan? Yeah? You have a part in this last day surge of God's power. You have a part in this last day surge. So what am I talking about? I'm realizing that as we read Ephesians in just a moment, when we talk about the power of the harvest, what happens when someone comes to Jesus? What happens when someone says yes to God? What happens when someone says, I am broken, I am battered, I am bruised, I am sinful, and I need a Savior? What happens? Well, you know what God does? God opens up a vault of power accessible to everyone who says yes to him. Now, Ephesians chapter 1 gives us an opportunity to understand how to tap into this power. And this is where I want to talk about. This power is not by earthly hands. It is not given to us by earthly hands, nor can it be earned by earthly hands. It is earned by obedience. It is earned by understanding what he did and his blood and how it's available to us as redeemed individuals. Who's with me so far? If you agree with me and say amen, I preach shorter, just so you know. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 10 reads like this. In him we have redemption through his blood. Thank you, Jesus. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So who did it? Us or him? Him. Let's be clear, right? And then it says in verse 8 that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In other words, when he gave us grace, he lavished it upon us, understanding everything about us. Here's the kicker. You ready? He knows everything you ever did wrong, are doing wrong, and will do wrong, and yet he still loves you. Boom. What more, and some of you are like, well, my list is pretty long, Pastor Tony. You do not know my story, and you don't know my glory. 
Listen, the truth is God knows all of it and yet still loves you. Why can't we? If God knows everything, we only know half of the... How many realize that everybody covers up their, their faults? Right? Like a, like a big old throw blanket. We cover as much as we can because we don't want anybody to think that we're something we're not. But yet, even though we only show some of our faults, we're afraid they might not like us. God knows all of our faults and still loves us. How can you be angry at that kind of God today? Can I tell you something? Redemption is very important. So let me go on with the verse here. Verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So basically it's saying he's making his will available. He's letting us know. He's letting us in on it. Who likes to be in on it? Know what's happening. How many of you don't like to be not in on it? You ever walked into a room or a circle of people and then just, they just start they're, they're talking about something. You're like, what are we talking about? I don't know what's happening. And there's a joke cracks and everybody laughs and you're like, I don't know what's happening. That's a horrible feeling, isn't it? Then you're just like, all right, I'm going to leave. I don't know what's happening. But you know what Jesus did? He, he, he let us in and he told us exactly what the mysteries are. He wants to unfold these mysteries. Now, he hasn't told all of us. How many realize there are some mysteries that only we will only know in heaven? Is that true? There's some mysteries God will not let. Can I tell you that? Can I just kind of release that from you? There are some things that you're not going to know until you get to heaven. And you got to be okay with that. Because there's some mysteries he's going to keep to himself. But there are some things he has made known to us that he has purposed in us. So watch this, number, uh, verse 10. To be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, there's a biblical word that we cannot live without and we cannot do without, and it's this one word. Ready for it? Redemption. Redemption. This one word, redemption, is very, very important. Redemption and forgiveness seem to be often tied together in the New Testament. We see this in first, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, Colossians chapter 1, the first chapter of Colossians. Paul says this, and I don't think we have this on the screen, but follow me. He says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God transferred you. God transferred you from the domain of darkness. How many know that's a great transfer? You were once in darkness. You were in this domain of darkness. That's, that's worse than like uh, just hanging out near darkness, Right? He didn't say, I, I brought you from this little bitty dark corner. He says, he's pulled you out from a domain of darkness. Domain, you know what it refers to? A place where you lived. A place where you dwelled. 
A domain is a place where you congregate, a place where you work, but you're no longer there. Can I tell you this? Right now, I want you to know that you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. There was a place that you were that you're no longer there. That domain is no longer defining you. That domain is not your name. That domain is not that place anymore where you reside. That is not who you are. That is not how he defines you. That is not how he sees you. He sees you as a bed of grace. He sees you as a place of redemption. He sees you at a place where you can only find forgiveness and hope. And there is nothing outside of that that you need more from God, your Savior. And there's a place that we have to understand that the language that, 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 that is being used here in this passage about redemption and forgiveness, it's closely tied together. Why? Because we have to realize that we need both. Forgiveness leads us to redemption. Forgiveness helps us to understand that we have faults, we have failures, but we're not defined by them. In reality... Forgiveness and redemption are two sides of the same coin. Redemption is the primary work of who? My, my work? Giving? The church? No. The reason why we have redemption is because Jesus gave it all. He's the one that laid it down. Come on, sit up with me for me. Sit up with me for a moment and look at me in the eyes. I need you to understand something. Redemption cannot come from man ever. No man can redeem you. No man can tell you who you are. God has defined who you are. Now you say, well, pastor, can't God use a prophet? Absolutely. But that prophet is a mouthpiece of God. Not man. We cannot do without redemption. And the New Testament uses three words for redemption. Are you ready? For those of you that are taking notes, those of you that want to be scholarly, here's your scholarly moment. Agorazo. It means to purchase. It emphasizes the price Christ paid for our salvation. To purchase. Redeem means to purchase. Once you were made, twice you are mine because I bought you. Then the second word is exazorazo. Exagorazo, sorry, to purchase out of. It's the marketplace reminds us that we've been finally and forever removed from the marketplace of sin. Remember what I mentioned, the domain of darkness? It's not just purchased. Are you ready? It's not just purchased, but like the story I opened with, you were once in a domain under a different owner. You were under a different owner. And Jesus says, you're not his, you're mine. And I'm going to buy you to prove it. I made you. I know every imperfection. You are no longer in the domain of darkness. So when it talks about redeemed, there's that first word, the agorazo word. Then there's the exagorazo. And then there's a third word. Come on, Greek scholars. 
apulotrosis. It sounds like a procedure you had three weeks ago. But it's not. Now, I had one of those, Pastor. It was painful, but I got over it. No. It's a word that, that tells us this. It's from the root word luo, which means to deliver or set free, to loose by paying a price. Like the man who saw this person with a whole bunch of doves inside of a cage. And he's like, how much for each one? And, and they said, this is this much and that much. And he said, how many do you have there? He did the math. And he said, here's the money. And the lady gave him the, the, the cage full of doves. And he opened the door and just let them fly out. And she said, sir, what are you doing? You just bought those. He says, yes, I bought them because I want them to be set free. That's the word. So we got the first one. It just means to purchase, the purchase of, the, uh, excuse me, the purchase, to purchase something. Then the second one is to purchase of, that means to come out of. But then the third one, not just out of, but to be set free again. You're no longer in his hands, but you're no longer in mine either. I want to set you free so that you can be everything I've called you to be, everything you were created to be. God has called you to be more. Stop leaning on other people's hands, other people's calling, other people's armor and understand that God has you set for this time and this day so you can make the difference you need to make. All three words in English means the same thing, redeemed. Can you understand why somebody could read the Bible and go, I don't believe this is God's word. It's translated from God's word. You realize that the Bible wasn't written in English? But the base of it, the root, the luo, the root of that word, that understand that it's deeper, just like your calling. You see, you may understand your calling on a basic surface level, the way everybody sees it. Oh, that person, they look like they might be good at this. Oh, this person, they look like they might be good at that. Do you realize that we are so limited in our scope of what we see because we're so limited by our eyes? God sees so much deeper in every single one of you and in me. Why? Because it's more than agorazo. It's more than purchase. And it even goes deeper than that. It's more than just to purchase so you can come out of. But where are you going? Where are you going? God has bought you so you can be set free. Isn't that good? Come on, how many are grateful that you are redeemed today? Who's grateful to be redeemed today? I am. Listen, I hope that when you got up this morning, you said, I can't wait to hang out with some redeemed folk. Maybe you didn't say folk, but I felt like saying folk. Some of you like redeemed peeps. My heavenly posse. My God gang. Settle down, people. Don't throw up gang signs. Not right now. 
I don't know what the freedom gang sign is. Maybe just the cross. Let's leave it simple, right? Keep it simple. To redeem means to pay the price to recover something or someone from, from the power of another. That's exactly what Jesus did. Twice you were his. Once because he made you. Twice because he bought you. Somebody give praise to God right now that you were bought with a price. Amen. I'm grateful. You don't have to be, but I am. See, Jonathan Edwards, an American revivalist preacher. Some of you know Jonathan Edwards. You heard the name at least. He's a philosopher. He was a theologian. And he once said something very important, and I put it up on the screen here for you. The redeemed are dependent of God for all that we have. For wisdom, for the pardon of sin, for deliverance, acceptance in God's favor, grace, holiness, comfort, happiness, eternal life, and glory. We have from God by a mediator, and this mediator is God. God has provided a way so we can have all these things. So let me share three quick things that I, I want to talk about redemption, and I want to talk about them specifically. Number one, the price of redemption. The price of redemption. If you look at verse 7 again, you realize that when we look at verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption is more than an event or an item. Rather, it rests on the person, a redeemer. You realize that? If there has been a redemption, there has been a redeemer. Who's that redeemer? Right? For some people, it's not Jesus. For some people, their lives have been changed by something else. At least they feel like it. But it only lasts for so long. How many know there's still a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of fun in the world of sin? Yeah? Pastor, don't say that. People are going to want to sin. Hello? Like, they don't want to sin anyway. Let's not be dumb, all right? Everyone, their flesh wants to sin because they understand it. We've been good at it. We've been practicing a long time. We're good at it. But when we come to Jesus, now all of a sudden, oh, I got to be this or I got to be that. No, you want to be this and you want to be that and you want to fall in line with his commandments and you want to be, you want to stay within those boundaries. Why? Because you realize you've been redeemed. You don't even deserve to be here. Right? I realized one time I, I went to a, a baseball game, and, and, there, and halfway through the game, there was seats that were empty the whole game. The whole, like the whole, all the innings. It was a baseball game. And then all of a sudden, people showed up and sat right in front of me. And I'm going, there were good seats. People don't leave there to go up there. But people do leave up there to come down here. They want better seats, right? And I started looking, I started going, hmm. A little sus. And I'm looking and they're like, they're real quiet. They just kind of slide into their seat. Shh. I just want to sit here quietly. And I realize if they stay low long enough, they won't get caught. Right? That's how it works with some people. But then there are other people that they don't care. They'll get in whatever seat they want and they'll make noise. I want to tell you something right now that you have to realize there is a redeemer. 
And he's understanding that in all this life, we can say that we're redeemed, but unless we own it and understand who the redeemer is, the redemption won't make any sense. Those people can never appreciate those seats unless they bought them for real. They can enjoy it and feel like they got away with it, but they can never truly enjoy those seats unless they paid for it or they knew somebody that paid for it and gave them like it. They can never be like, wow, praise God, you gave me these seats. No, you took them. Are you with me? What I'm saying is this. Some of you are like, I'm feeling convicted. I moved my seat one time. I'm going to go to hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you that it's very hard to to appreciate the seat when it wasn't bought. No guilt. There's no guilt. And Jesus Christ paid the price of redemption for no guilt. So, Where are we in this? Through his blood, sin must not be taken lightly. Is that right? Because it requires a blood sacrifice. Anytime sin is taken lightly, we become in danger of strongholds, listen, that retain power over us instead of God's power. The more we embrace sin, the more we let go of God. You with me? The more you embrace sin, the more you let go of God. Well, pastor, I I still love God with my heart. Yes, but you don't love him in your actions. And he's not going to judge you all by your intentions in heaven. He's going to open the book of what? Life, and he's going to open the other one. And that book is going to talk about what you did. Are you with me? And that book of what you did is not for non-believers. The book of life is for non-believers. Those who came forward and said, I don't, are you in the book of life? No. There's no need to look any further. That's the only book that matters in the beginning. Are you with me? You follow me? There's two books. One, the book of life. If you're not in that book, no other book matters. But if you love Jesus and you trusted him with your life and you gave your life to him, you're in that book, that's great. There's a second book now. What did you do? Not what you meant to do and what was on your to-do list, but what did you do? And that's your reward, your reward in heaven. So we have to understand that there's a price of redemption. Jesus died so you can do something about it. Do something in this world. That's the price of redemption. Number two, the prizes. That leads me into the prizes of redemption the prizes of redemption in verses seven through nine and we look at that like this he's lavished it upon us verse eight with all wisdom and understanding and then he made known to us his mystery right verse nine according to his good pleasure so watch this not only that the price christ paid For redemption resulted in the prizes of redemption. Now we have redemption. Now we have things that we never had before. 
access to healing, access to hope, access to grace, access to favor, access to boldness, access to dunamis power from the Holy Spirit, access to things that we would have never had outside of him. What are the prizes of redemption? You know what that is? That is access to obedience and trust in God Almighty. The prizes of redemption. There's complete forgiveness in Jesus. Right? That's the prize of redemption. Matthew 26, 28. The blood covenant that covers us for the remission of our sins. All the things that we have in our life covered by the blood. The overwhelming grace. How many know that's a prize? The grace that we have available to us through Jesus Christ. That is a prize. Another thing that we have also is not just that. We also have discernment. We start to understand that when the Spirit of God lives in us, we can discern. Look at me for a moment. Did you know that you can discern what is true and what is not by the Holy Spirit in you? Because the Holy Spirit responds to truth but is, but is grieved when, when falsehoods circle the believer. He, 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 the Holy Spirit starts... There's something, and I can't explain what that feeling is, but there's an unsettling. And those of you that understand spiritual dynamics understand what I'm saying. When something's not right, something's wrong with someone, something doesn't set, you, you follow what I'm saying? Something doesn't sit right with this person. Something doesn't sit right with this decision. There are decisions that I made in my life that I felt really good about. And then there are other decisions I made in my life that I said, I don't know. I got to back up a second. I, I think something's wrong here. Right? And so what does that mean? That is a prize of redemption. That is what Jesus has given to us, those of us that have redeemed. God made known to us the mysteries of his will. In the Bible, a mystery is formally concealed, right? But now it's revealed. See, non-believers don't know those things. They only know what their mind can comprehend. And their mind is limited, just like all of us. But the Spirit of God, that hovered over the face of the waters, knows the will of the Father, and he reveals what is good, and he spells out to us what is not right. How many ever felt like something was wrong and you were right about that? Something was wrong. See, some of you don't, it was like, oh man, I just, I must have had like tacos last night, something's wrong, something doesn't feel right. You know, not, not that kind of feeling, not that kind of feeling. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that discernment that's unsettling and you don't understand it. Can I tell you something? Stop for a moment and pray when you feel that. Stop for a moment and say, God, and this is, I'm being honest. Listen, I'm being honest. This is how you should do it. I'm pastoring you through this. You ready? When you start feeling that feeling, stop. I don't care what you're doing except if you're driving. Pull over. Okay? But, but whatever you're doing, put yourself in a place where you could stop for a moment and say, okay, God, how do you want me to move on this? Something's not right here. Whether it's been done to you or a decision that you made. But at that point, pray, because the Holy Spirit will reveal that moment what it is. And I don't understand how he does it, but he does it. All right? 
unconventionally he does it. Can I share with you something that happened to me when I was a kid? My mom, um, my mom will vouch for you the, uh, for this story. My mom worked in a uh, hospital office, and there was a lady uh, by the name of Virginia. I believe her name was Virginia. Forgive me, I was really young. But this woman was, uh, she'd always invite my mom to church. She attended uh, an Assembly of God church nearby. And uh, uh, she'd always invite my mom. She'd say, hey, come with me Sunday. You know, I'll come by, I'll pick you up, or uh, you can follow me, or it's right, you know, it's not too far from here. And my mom would be like, no, you know, maybe someday. And she would, no, 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 someday. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you gave God, the people someday, someday, someday. It never happened someday. It was someday. Well, one day, Virginia looked at my mom and said, you know what? Um, this Sunday, how about, how about I, I pick up your son? Uh, and your daughter, and I'll take them to VBS. There's vacation Bible school happening at the church there. How about I take them? I think they have a great time. My mom was like, okay. She knew her pretty well. She came, she picked us up, she drove us to church, we went to church. It was a very different experience. I grew up in a, going to a Catholic church. 45 minutes of... You may be seated. Thank you, thank you. I've been working on that all week just for you guys. <laughs> so I used to go to this Catholic. I'm not knocking Catholics. I'm saying this is how I grew up, right? I was going to this church. And that's what I did for 45 minutes. Oh, that was the higher pitch one, just so you know. Um, but then I went to this Assembly of God Pentecostal VBS service. People have fallen over. And then they put blankets on them. And I'm like, who died? Somebody died. And I re- I'm looking around like, what is happening? And nobody's called 911. And nobody, everybody ignored her. They covered her in a blanket. And they kept singing. Does anybody not see the lady that fell on the ground? <laughs> Somebody help her. CPR, not me. Not me. That's gross. Somebody help the lady. She dead. This is what I started experiencing. Then she get up. This is God. Resurrections and everything. It's a cool church. Do me, do me. (laughs) I want to die next. No, that's not how that works. 
stop laughing. The more you laugh, the more you encourage me. So, let me go back to the story that has relevance, I promise. So I went to VBS. I graduated in three days. That's how, that's how amazing I am. At 12 years old, I graduated VBS in three days. I was a child genius. Prodigy. And then Virginia went to my mom and said, he has such a great time. Would you mind if I pick him up for Sundays? And so my mom was like, go ahead, and I will go to church. And I will go to church. And listen, we, we were poor. We were struggling a little bit. So, so, you know, my mom was like, you know, just nice. And, and I was like, I'm trying. And, um, and I go to church, and then I go to church, and then same thing was happening. People just loving God, singing and stuff like that. I got saved two years later because that's VBS. I got saved when I was 15, but it started at 12 when, I, when Virginia took the time out to think outside the box and, th- and think outside of, I don't just want to invite the mom. I don't ju- Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the kid there. And she went the roundabout way. I got saved, received Christ when I was 15, and then that started a seed of many different things that happened in my life that then later, 20 plus years later, my mom is now in such a beautiful place redemption-wise that she is, you follow what I'm saying? Now, a lot happened in that 20-year span, but I'm giving the Cliff Notes version because I need you to understand that there's something about thinking outside the box and praying the power of the harvest and seeing that people matter. And when you see people matter, you won't, you won't just see uh, things a certain way. You see each individual's soul. Why did Jesus leave the 99 to go after the one? Because every one matters. And I was the one. I was the one. She was going after the 99 by trying to get my mom and my family to go. She's trying to get everybody in one shot. But she didn't. She went after the She went, left the 99, went after the one. I went to VBS, then my sister went to VBS, and then, and then I started going to church because she picked me up. You follow me? She started planting seeds, seeds, and you know what we're harvesting? Look around the room right now, because God had done one in, in that. He did it in me, and that's why this is all happening. Why? Now listen, because there's power in being redeemed. Power. In the redeemed. Purpose in the redeemed. The purpose for redemption is this. John Wesley said this. I love what John Wesley said. This is the third point. And I believe we have this quote for John Wesley. Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can. In all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. What is he saying? Let's get to work. Because there's power that God wants to use in you. He did not give you power so you can sit on it. You with me? 
He didn't give you power so you can sit on it. You are called to be a daily flow of power into somebody's life. You are called to be a daily fix for somebody out there. You are called to be a light to someone living in the domain of darkness. God has called you to help others be redeemed. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's your call. The purpose of redemption. Now listen. There was a prayer that someone prayed one time and it went like this. Dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, I haven't lost my temper, I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and now it's probably going to be the time I need some help. Amen. (laughs) Okay, raise your hand if you can relate with that kind of prayer. Lord, I've been so good today. I haven't sinned once. Now, Lord, I'm about to get out of bed. This is what I need you. Church, hear me closely. How many heard of Passover? Heard of Passover, right? Jesus had Passover meal with his disciples, but Passover began way before Jesus, obviously. It began way back in Exodus, right? And so the Passover was when uh, God was going to judge Egypt, and he told them, and long story short, put blood of the lamb on the post of your door, and any, anybody that has the blood on that post will be saved from the coming wrath that is to come. With this Passover being told one time from a grandparent to a child during this discussion, the young girl uh, said, Grandpa, did everyone in Egypt that was covered by the blood live? And the grandfather answered, Yes, my dear, all who were covered by the blood live. And I'm here to tell you right now, everyone that is covered by the blood has been redeemed for a purpose to be power in this time of harvest. Christ paid the price of redemption that we might receive the prizes of redemption, eventually experiencing the purpose of redemption. And so his ultimate reign realized in the cosmos and in the world, he is the one that is going to return again for his people. There is power in the harvest. When you know who Jesus is, there's power in the harvest. When you understand that the cross brings unity among his people, not division. In Christ, God is creating for himself a diverse and united family. We walk in unity now as a church who looks ahead, not back. We understand that there's going to be a future day of union where we will meet our Savior face to face. Look at me for a moment. There is a coming, a day when we are all redeemed once and for all. And those of us who are in heaven have come from earth to be united with our Father forever. And there is coming a day when the entire universe is going to groan because they want redemption too. And they will be, they will be judged by their 
works or the lack thereof while we stand redeemed with our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation. There is power in the harvest. I've given you everything I needed to give you this morning. And let me tell you this. There's nothing more important that we could ever, ever embrace than the word of God physically on this planet earth. How will we know unless we dig and find out more? Yes? Don't make it harder than it seems. Don't make it harder than it has to be. Dig, love, serve, and see the power of the redeemed ones activated in our lives. I love when I see the church active. I love when I see our people love other people. The way we did this past week, as people by the droves came in and we gave them free food. Not because we're all that, but because God is good. And when we are understanding who God is, it's very easy for us to release the things of this world because they don't matter when a soul is the one thing that's eternal. What is in this world is temporary. What is in his hands is eternal. Did you get that? No, no, no. You, maybe you didn't get it. Even if it's the same thing. Money in our hands is temporary. Money in his hands is eternal. It's still money, but when it's in his hands, he has a way of using it in ways we can never ever fathom gifts gifts in my hands can get me a record contract gifts in God's hands will see legions and droves of people running to Jesus and saying I want to know who this Jesus is the anointing is the difference that's in his hands right influence y'all y'all heard of influencers hello What are you? I'm an influencer. Are you? Because you're not influencing me at all. I feel nothing from your aura. All I know is that the world wants to influence. They want to influence, and they want nothing to do with being influenced until they stand before God and they say, I made a mistake. When the influencer needs influenced. That's the world we're living in. Young people, look at me for a moment. I need you to understand something. Those influencers, they'll have to answer one day to the one who created all things. So be careful who is influencing you. Whether they have the title or not. Let's pray. Father, there's nothing in this world we want more than to know that we're redeemed by the son of the living God. Nothing matters more. But for those that may be at the sound of my voice right now, maybe they want to be known by the world. Yes, that can happen, but that'll be fleeting until the next thing is more important and they will forsake us. You, however, will never forsake us. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, that you would allow us to understand the power of the harvest. 
that in this life, while we will have trouble, nothing matches your power. So thank you that twice we are yours. Once because you made us, twice because you bought us. Thank you for the power and the resurrection of Jesus that has bought us with the precious blood of the Lamb. Now let us walk with the word of our testimony so that others may see the power in the harvest. God, I pray that today that we would be a people that understand that the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people to be saved and the laborers are few. Not because it's not worth it, but because only a few are willing to obey and walk with you. May we never be counted out because of that. I want to be obedient. Come on, lift up your hands one time as I pray. If you want to be obedient too, just lift up your hands right where you are. You don't need to stand, just right where you're at. And I want to pray a prayer. Father, you see every hand of every person that wants to be obedient. May they walk in the obedience of Jesus Christ our Lord. May they walk in the fellowship of the saints, this group of believers. We're grateful for this body. Thank you for Freedom Life Church. Thank you for this family. But Lord God, most of all, thank you for the redemption that is found through your death burial and resurrection we're so thankful today come on take 30 seconds right now and tell God how thankful you are for his goodness of your redemption that has been bought by Jesus thank you God thank you God for your redemption thank you for your power we love you today in Jesus name amen amen how many are grateful for God's love in our lives so grateful. Thank you for those of you that tuned in online. We hope to see you next week. For those of you that are here.